Welcome to Scale Your Business Radio with your hosts, David Finkel and Jeff Hoffman. Well, welcome to Scale Your Business Radio. This is David Finkel, and I'm joined today by my co-author and friend, Jeff Hoffman. Many of you know Jeff from his days back as a co-founder of Priceline.com, and we're going to be talking with you here about strategies to grow your business and get your life back. And Scale Your Business Radio is going to be giving you a roadmap to rapidly grow your business while also gaining more personal freedom as a business owner through sound systems, empowered teams, and intelligent business controls. Essentially, we're here focused on how can you work less so that your business can produce more. Jeff, thanks for joining us here. It's wonderful here. How are you today? Good, good, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> well, here in this segment, we're going to be talking about solving the three biggest employee challenges that most business owners face. And I, I think it's interesting. I think both of us had this experience that our greatest source of, of, of leverage, our greatest source of, of accomplishment and joy has come through the efforts of a talented team. And I would also probably hazard a guess, at least in my case it's true, some of the greatest frustrations I've ever had in a business have been because of the team that I've had or how I've interacted with them. Is that, is that fair to say for you, Jeff, or has your experience been different? No, it sure is, David. In fact, the hardest thing in the world to find is talent uh, and then retaining them. So I think it's a critical resource, uh, how to build a team, how to motivate and maintain a team, and something definitely worth talking about. Yeah, well, let's even start off there, this idea of finding talent, of finding the right hire. So how, how can a business owner make sure that they're hiring the right person before they take them? Think about it. We hire somebody. It takes us many hours to do the interview process, whether we're involved in some of it or all of it. Um, and then we hire that person. And, of course, you know, sometimes we might not know for sure until three or six or 12 months later and we've invested thousands of dollars of time and effort to train this person, plus the opportunity cost because of, of, of if they don't work out. So the cost of a bad hire is huge. What are some thoughts that you have, and I'll share some of mine here, about this idea of how to make the right hire, finding the right person? Well, you know, first of all, the time to start finding that person is not when you need them, uh, because then you're already behind <laughs> the eight ball. Uh, if you wait until you need somebody and start looking, there is a higher chance that you will hire quickly instead of quality because you need somebody. So one of the things I always advise all small business owners, really all business people, is to always, always be building your network. So wherever we go, when I'm out anywhere in the world, I'm talking to people, learning a little bit about them, their goals, their skills, their passions, their interests, and kind of keeping that network in place so that by the time I say, look, we're going to need another salesperson, I already have a real good idea what salespeople out in the world I've met, and then hopefully one of them is available. So I think that's the first point, is that don't wait until you need someone to start building a network of talented people that you know in the world that you might one day call on. That is so true when you think about this idea that desperation makes a lousy prompt for you to make a good hire Going on with that, I'll say one of the things that I've known from my experience, that is when I've hired with an unclear picture of exactly who I needed, I've gotten into trouble with that. And so I think for me, one of our, our internal processes we use now with Maui Mastermind with some of my other companies is always having a very well thought out job description that points out, you know, what specifically is this person going to need to do? What skill sets or background do they need to have of experience? What are the responsibilities that they're going to be tasked with? And if possible, what kind of profile, personality-wise or temperament-wise, is going to help be most successful? So that, that's certainly been one that's been useful for us. What are some other well, that have been useful know, for you? 
Go ahead, you, you hit on a you hit on a couple of important things there. Um, uh, one of which, when you said it's not just telling them, so you talked about the job description and the skills that they need. I think another important thing is uh, is the why, not just the what. Being able to hire, you want to get the best, most motivated, motivated employee. And the way you get somebody that motivated and interest, interested is if they understand the importance of the job you're hiring them for to the company's goals. So I always try to make it a point to say, here's why, not just what, why we need you. The company is trying to achieve the following list of things, and having you on the team would help us achieve those in this way so that they feel like they're an important piece of the machine uh, overall. The other piece that you hit on, which I completely agree, is culture, the corporate culture piece that, that you know, we usually have a really good idea. So a resume is one thing and the skills, but we have a really good idea, two people having the same skill set. One of them may really work well in your company and one may not, and you puzzle about it later. It's important to have a definable corporate culture. What are your values uh, right within the culture? Um, and, you know, and making sure that culturally you're picking somebody who fits your values and your style and your personality and that whether their resume has the right skills or not, I think that that cultural fit is significant, but you can't look for it if you haven't defined your culture in a way that you can say this is the kind of human being we want on our team besides just what's on your resume. That's a really interesting point that you make, using culture as a filter to help you screen. Of course, you're going to balance that off uh, to make sure you still have people who aren't clones of you, but I love the idea of that. Here's one last one before we move over to compensation, which is, for me, I, I think sometimes I'll give the analogy of the, the 800-pound gorilla, and I think sometimes we allow the, the, the two-pound or the two-ounce issue to help prompt us to make a hiring decision when really any particular position is going to probably have three, four, or five absolute, absolute must-have, make-it-or-break-it items whether they're experience sets or personality pieces or, or background just uh, uh, specific skills that will make this person successful or not successful for this specific role. And I think one of the things that I've seen uh, in, in our hiring is when we start narrowing the hiring parameters so that we make sure these key must-haves, these 800-pound gorillas, get the proper respect that they're due. I, you know, that makes a lot of sense that, that you're focusing on not some short-term small problem that's just glaring today, uh, but, but, you know, the real long-term fit for that person and the skill set they'll need to be successful over their career at your company. Yeah, so now let's talk about compensation, which is probably the second biggest employee challenge. And, and, and sometimes I think it narrows down that we think it's so much about the financial piece, we don't think about the non-financial, but... You said something to me a long time ago, and it really stayed with me. I, I don't know the exact wording you used, but your comment was something to the effect of, you know, you're not going to win off of money, David. You're going to make sure you don't lose by being in the right neighborhood. Talk about that, if you would, because I thought that was such an important point about compensation. Well, you know, let me, let me say this, because it, it amazes me how many small business owners are. We understand that as a small business owner, you have a limited, you have tight resources and a limited budget, but I'm always amazed at how frequently people are, uh, you know, penny-wise penny and pound-foolish, um, that they have a really talented person 
that they're arguing over a small sum of money and they're more determined to be right, I'm only going to pay you this, uh, which may cause that person not to take the job. And the difference in value you would have received from that employee over the time they were there versus paying them that little extra money, uh, it's just a silly decision. And so many times we see people, the employer believes, my job is to get this employee for the lowest possible price in cash in compensation. We'll talk about the other parts of compensation in a minute. And the employee, you know, thinks I'm supposed to get the most out of it. And that's already a bad start for both of you. Yeah. And it's interesting to me when I think about this is I've had a lot of team members over the years that have said, you know, look, if I were in a corporate environment, I might be earning, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent more. But I found that what I really like about working here was things like they would say, you know, no politics going on or things like they would say that, hey, I can have the flexibility that if I want to take, you know, four hours on Thursday to go watch my daughter's soccer match in high school, that, yeah, I'll make up the time. Yes, I'll make sure I get good work done. But give me some autonomy to make, you know, some decisions that are in the company's best interest or at the very least don't hurt the company and yet allow me to feel like I've got some ability to balance off work and life and so forth. So just let's talk for a little bit about this, this idea of the non-financial portions of compensation because I think in many cases this is what keeps our people with us over the long haul. They just love the feel of working together with us. Yeah, you just hit on a perfect example of that, that, yes, my salary is one piece of it, but the example you just gave is an excellent one. To work in a company that's flexible to my life is is worth more than money. I can be at another job where I'm making more salary, but I'm, I always miss my child's soccer game uh, because, I have to, you know, they're more focused on the time I'm in the office or whatever. So it, it asking employees... What is important to you in your life, and how do we structure a job so that the non-financial compensation, like you said, things like, look, we're flexible here. If you need to take off and take care of family things, just get your work done. That That is the difference between taking a job at higher salary and taking a job at a company that lets me live my life. So there are a lot of non-compensation things. The other one, clearly, of course, is the is the non, non-cash fulfillment items, such as recognition. We always made it a point to recognize employees' efforts and do it publicly in front of everybody and give them that acknowledgement that made them feel like their efforts were worth it. And employees told us that was a big deal to them. Most companies, when you get a review, you get an annual review in January, whatever. So what does that mean? I shouldn't do anything good until December because you're not going to review me until January? <laughs> what? I think smart companies review you the second something good or bad happens. They stop. That's what we would do. Stop right there, gather everybody, and say, look at this amazing thing that David just did. I love it here. Let's talk for a moment here about the stupid things that business owners do real quickly here. So we've got about about two minutes before we go to our next break here. And so just quickly, rapid fire, what are some of the stupid things you see business owners do that just kills initiative or motivation or contribution? Like, I'll share one here right now. Um, taking perks that they don't give other business owners. And matter of fact, we're going to be moving to the break right now, Jeff. So hold this thought when we come back in the next segment. We're going to probably start off over here with this idea here of how to manage your team to accomplish more with less drama, less hassle, and so forth. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners out here. Hope you're enjoying Scale Your Business Radio. Hi, Scale listener. This is David Finkel, co-host with Jeff Hoffman of Scale Your Business. I wanted to let you know that our newest book, Scale, was just released and to encourage you to get your copy. 
The book will give you seven proven principles to grow your business and get your life back. If you've ever wanted to grow your business, but held yourself back from fear that it would take over your life, then we urge you to get your copy of Scale today. It'll give you a proven roadmap for rapidly growing your business while also gaining more personal freedom. Scale will help you work less by getting your business to produce more. Scale is for every entrepreneur who ever wondered if they really own their business or if their business owns them. Get your copy online or at your local bookseller. For more information, visit us online at scaleyourbusinesstoolkit.com. That's scaleyourbusinesstoolkit.com. Thank you.